Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. 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 What's that? Welcome to another Rough Trade Shoplifting Podcast. Our guest today is John Morland. Hey, thanks hey. for having me. Hey, nice. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Uh, you're all the way over from Tulsa? Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah. You're back in Tulsa? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's okay. where I live. Nice. Yeah. You grew up in Tulsa? Mostly, yeah. We. Uh, I was born in Texas and then grew up in Kentucky a little bit and then we moved to Oklahoma when I was about 10, so it's... Yeah, it's kind of where you grew up. Yeah, where I've lived since uh, the '90s. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, so you picked out five records. Yeah. Um, how easy was was it to pick out five? The five records you like. Uh, well, it was. I mean, there was a lot of stuff I liked, so it was. You know, it wasn't like hard to find stuff I liked, but I was. Um, I was like trying to pick ones that I would have things to say about so <laughs> so that part was kind of hard yeah yeah um it's we let's start going through them i guess well, okay. um any any order on these should we do order of release um yeah sure what's first then okay that would be oh, springsteen easy. would be first yeah okay so there we go. born to run yeah born to run yeah um, so so when did you hear when did you first come across this i first um you know like i'm a I, i'm I'm 31, so when I got into Springsteen, I was a teenager, and it was like, like The Rising had just come out. It was like okay. 2002. I was like 17, and I was into like punk and hardcore and stuff. And I didn't really, I wasn't, I wouldn't have really been open to something like Bruce Springsteen. But I had, I knew of like punk rock friends who were kind of old enough that maybe they were like open to like classic rock yeah and they were talking about how great the new springsteen record was and i was like well that sounds weird but maybe i'll <laughs> maybe i'll check that out and and it was fucking awesome and um and then i kind of yeah just started going backwards and like digging and trying to find what i could and um born to run obviously being kind of his most epic album and and I also um I did a I did a BBC radio thing in Glasgow the other day where I, and they asked me to play a cover and I played Thunder Road off oh, of this record so I, that was yeah that's is that, has that been aired yet has it been heard you, so is that the first time you played that that's I played it no it's on there's a video of me playing it on YouTube I, I played it I did a video of uh in at my friend's studio in Oakland California like a few years ago and they asked me to play one of my songs and so I did and then I was sitting around and uh my buddy Max uh plays music under the name M Lockwood Porter he was there and he was playing the piano and he was like you know the only thing I can play on piano is Thunder Road <laughs> and so he started playing it and we just had a fucking epic Springsteen sing-along <laughs> In the studio, and um, and I remembered that I had actually played Thunder Road a few times when I first started playing out at bars, and you'd have to play for like three hours, and yeah. um, you know, I was just trying to play every cover that I could to like fill the time, and um, so we, so yeah, we were shooting this video at the studio, and they were like, hey, you want to do another song? And I was like, yeah, why don't I do Thunder Road? Since we just sang it, and I 
I guess I remember all the words. And um, it's a lot of words. It's got a lot of words. Yeah, <laughs> it, re- it doesn't really have a chorus. It has like, it's 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 like twelve verses kind of, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So, and then that that video got a lot of attention, and then so people started yelling for me to play it live, and then but I don't. I, I'm a little wary of that, so I don't. Um, so you haven't, you haven't actually played it out. I haven't live. really played it live, no. But I, but, and then at the BBC the other day, they asked me to do a cover, and I didn't really know any other ones, <laughs> so so I did that one again. It's a good one to do. Yeah, I always think it should be paired with the promise. Yeah, I always like the two together because they feel like both sides of the same song. Right. In the way it's kind of how. Yeah, yeah. How and how, how Thunder Road ends up. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Amazing. So let's, let's, which track do you want to play off this? Let's play Thunder Road. Let's, I think we should, yeah. Yeah. It's Thunder Road uh, by Bruce Springsteen. Well, I know you're all that's understood 
Okay, great. So that was Bruce Springsteen and Thunder Road. And I'm here with John Morland. And we're chatting about five records he's picked out. Yeah. That's the first, chronologically. Yeah. Minor Threat's next. Yeah. So Minor Threat was, you're into that before Springsteen. Yeah. So. Yeah, my, yeah. <laughs> chronologically for me, it would be backwards. But yeah, um, yeah, Minor Threat was, I always used to, when when people would ask me, like in interviews and people would ask me my favorite bands, I always said Minor Threat and, and Creedence Clearwater Revival. Classic so combination. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they go together really well <laughs> in my mind. Um, but yeah, like, uh, yeah, Minor Threat was just, you know, when I was like 13 and I got into punk, I very quickly went through my the the kind of the common phases that everybody does where you find like, or everybody my age anyway, I think you find uh, shit like Blink-182 and No Effects and that stuff first and it's because it's, yeah. it's more melodic and a little more accessible, but I very quickly just wanted like the fastest, loudest, <laughs> angriest stuff I could so find. You, so you, how, you started at Blink-182 though? I started at... Uh, like Green Day, okay, and, yeah, and then Blink One Eighty Two and um, MXPX, and like Rancid and Social Distortion, and then yeah. yeah, and then within like six months, I was like looking up Discord records yeah. online, <laughs> and um, and then yeah, and I've just loved Minor Threat ever since. There's not many, there's not much music that I was really into when I was 13 that I still love that much today but yeah. but Minor Threat has endured for me and did you were you in punk bands at yeah. that age yeah I was in bands that you know I wrote I was trying to write songs like this and, yeah um, anything over like a minute and a half was too long and <laughs> um, yeah no guitar solos we would do like one you know, like songs wouldn't even have verses. Something like that was something Ian did a lot. Like where there was, there would just be there'd be like a verse and a chorus, but there wouldn't be like a second verse. He would just sing the first verse again, and yeah, <laughs> like why bog yourself down yeah, trying yeah. to write more and stuff? Yeah, how do you how do you get from from minute and a half songs to to to, or to like sort of the Americana? Yeah, to five and a half minute songs. Um, I mean. Yeah, well, you know, I think I think my songs now are pretty I think I'm still there's something about the minor threat like short and direct thing that I feel like I still is still in me. Like yeah. even though my songs are longer, it's just cuz they're slower, you know, but like <laughs> but they're still I feel like they're still just as direct and and kind of like I don't like you know, I like to sort of trim the fat and just have like extra or just not have extra yeah, bullshit. Yeah. And just kind of get to the point. Here's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And and then it's over. So um, could you do could you do all your songs faster? <laughs> just, do, just do now. Could you would you do a hardcore album? I would love to. Yeah. I thought about doing like I feel like a couple of years ago I was kind of having like writer's block, and I couldn't really write. You know, like my you know, folk songs or whatever. And I was, um, so I would just got this idea in my head. I was going to start a punk band and I started this punk band called Torch Singers and we just recorded, we never played a show. We recorded <laughs> like three songs and and we were, and then we were done. But it, but it like, it did kind of like refresh my, uh, my whole thing. Like it was, 
and just to do something wildly different like yeah. that. So yeah, I actually have thought about starting a hardcore band. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, amazing. Well, what what track should we take off this one? What let's do, wanna... um, let's do the title track, Out of Step. Okay, here we are, Minor Threat and Out of Step. So that's Out of Step by Minor Threat. And uh, just going through, John Wolland has been shoplifting. Yeah. Um, I don't think you actually, I don't think you can, I think you get a discount. You can't just, you can't <laughs> yeah, just yeah. take I these figured records. I could, yeah. <laughs> um, so next up, um, Lucinda Williams. Yeah. Just on Rough Trade. So, yeah. So it's fitting. Exactly. That's yeah. why I picked it. <laughs> I, th I thought that album was originally released on Rough Trade. Um, so how does, so how do you get there? How do you get, Lucinda Williams from Minor Threat. It was a long road, but um, when, you know, I kind of, by the time I was about 18, 19, I kind of had burned myself out on hardcore, and I played in a lot of bands that lasted for like three months, and then, yeah. you know, every, everybody, there's drama, and everybody quits, and you kind of start over, and, and I... Um, so I had just had enough of that, and I and I and I felt like I and just musically it wasn't really exciting to me anymore, and I and I wanted to, I was kind of looking for something, for like music that I could re get really excited about again, and also something that I could that I felt like I could do for a long time, and kind of have a legacy at. Yeah. Um, do, do you feel do you feel like with punk you grow out of it, or, or you, not? You grow out, or it stops suiting you? Is it like a how old are you at this point? I'm 31. Okay. So I mean, yeah, in a way it does. There are things that there are things that go along with there are things that go along with punk. Oftentimes that I think you grow out of. One thing is that that one thing that really bummed me out was like it seems like. Um, you know, punk is all about youth, and like as soon as you're, it's like by the time you're on your like fourth album, you're fuck, you're a joke. You yeah, know? yeah, like everybody yeah. hates you now. It's yeah, like yeah. you either, unless you're still playing in basements, you know, like you and and so it just kind of seemed impossible to like to grow up yeah. in in punk. And like I remember seeing a documentary about punk about like dads in punk bands, and they were and and it was like the dude 
from Pennywise was like dyeing his hair black because he couldn't let his fans know that he has some gray <laughs> hairs or whatever. I was like, this is so fucking depressing. It's, like, it's kind of like every, I think every genre is kind of like a lot. A lot of genre, it feels like country's one of the few that you can. Yeah, in. Like I think that was that was an attractive thing about about it to me was yeah. that like, yeah, like you can you're you're actually appreciated more as you get old because you're wiser and yeah. you're and therefore you know hopefully like no writing ex- better yeah. songs and yeah yeah no one expects you to you know wear short skirts I mean you probably won't wear them anyway right. you know but yeah but it's like it's a it just feels like you can just you can just yeah grow gracefully yeah in it. and um, exactly so I guess so. So so when you find this record, Lucinda Williams, how old are you then? I found, I actually, so the first Lucinda record I found was Car Wheels on a Gravel Road, and it was so good, and I loved it so much that I just listened to that and didn't even check out her other records for like five years. <laughs> and then and then uh, probably, yeah, like two or three years ago, um, I was, and I, I feel like I've been influenced a ton by her and by Car Wheels on a Gravel Road. At that point, you know, and and so I was like, I could be missing out on all kinds of great shit, and it turned out I was. So I went and checked out the rest of her records, and this one was hard to find because it was, I don't know if there was contractual stuff, but it wasn't, it was out of print at the time, and it wasn't on, like, streaming services and stuff. It's still not, yeah. It's still, yeah, on the streaming side, yeah. Yeah, so... um, so it's kind of hard to find, but I oh actually I got it when I I started working with Thirty Tigers who did this reissue, and they I was at their offices one day and they gave me a CD of it. Yeah. So, and then I and then I just listened to this like all summer like um, twenty fourteen I guess that was. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um. So that's so that's so that's when you. So she she the first she's not the first artist you get into to sort of get into country which no but I mean it was around I got into car wheels on a gravel road on a gravel road around the time that I was kind of finding all that music yeah. she wasn't it wasn't the first thing I found the first thing I found was probably Gillian Welch because I would go to the the library and um, I would use my sister's library card to check out CDs <laughs> the downtown Tulsa library actually like, has a pretty good. CD selection or they used to and um and I found Gillian Welch Soul Journey and it looked interesting and so I got that and it like blew me away and it's still one of my favorite records too and then I found like Steve Earle and yeah my eyes kind of got open to the Americana scene at the time which that was like 2005 so yeah yeah um and yeah Lucinda Williams was was a name you would just always hear and I you know she sounded important and yeah uh, (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. So, was anyone else doing that sort of from from the sort of punk? Is punk the hardcore? So, or is it just? You no, I mean, at the time, I didn't know anybody who was, and all my friends thought I was fucking weird yeah. for you know trying to play country music or what they called country music, and I, and and um. Now it's a lot more common of a thing. Like Mixed. it seems like bands like. Bands like Lucero and guys like Chuck Reagan from Hot Water Music, and he's doing folky stuff. And there's a lot of people making that leap now. Yeah. But but back then, like X and Social Distortion were kind of the only things I knew yeah. about that kind of bridged those those yeah, worlds. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So what track do you want off this? Let's do let's do Crescent City. It nice. hurt. 
ode to New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Listen to Williamson Crescent City. Everybody's happy. Okay, so it's Lucinda Williams, Crescent City, off the self-titled, isn't it, that one? Yeah. Yeah, self-titled album. And um, next up, next choice, Back to Punk, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Descendants. Descendants. Yeah, everything sucks. Um, this one I chose, well, for a lot of reasons. Um, Stefan Edgerton, the guitar player from The Descendants, is a really, really good friend of mine. And uh, I love him and and his wife and children, the whole wonderful family. And they, they live in Tulsa, actually. So um, he used to have a studio in Tulsa where he let me record basically for free for like two years when I wouldn't have had money to record otherwise. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, helped me make a couple of records and pretty much everything I know about recording I learned from him. And, um, and uh and then actually last night, 
somebody tagged me in a post on Instagram where they had ordered my record and it showed up with a the descendants new record in in my <laughs> jacket in the in the John Moreland sleeve. So I was like, how fucking crazy is that? It could have been any record yeah. pressed at wherever, you know, whatever pressing plant it was. And and it was like my buddy's record. So yeah, I thought that was really crazy. And um and but yeah, to me, the descendants, they were one of the the earlier in my, you know, um my my punk career at thirteen, my punk listening career. Um, they were one of the <laughs> earlier bands that I got into, and when I was really into pop punk, and they, you know, I feel like their their sense of melody and the stuff that Milo sang about and Stefan's guitar playing is kind of like to me they kind of invented pop punk. So I think they're that's pretty important. Yeah. 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 What, so what track do you want off this? Let's do um, Sick of Me. So there's the descendants and just yeah. descendants, not the. Not I said the, the, yeah. I said the Oh no, that's it. I'm out. Uh, and uh, sick of me. Um, okay, so so you got new, the new records out. Should yeah. probably talk about the new record. Okay, otherwise, sure. Um, and uh, it's quite a it's, it's quite a upbeat record. It, I mean, I mean, I don't know if it's quite upbeat, an upbeat record, upbeat. but it relatively, feels like, it feels like it's moved into. It. <laughs> yeah. I said it to Nigel, who works now. I was like, I think this one's quite. Um, it's quite cheerful. Find this quite cheerful. Yeah, for and me it is. I, I think. Guess. Yeah, were you aware that it was? Um, I think I became aware of that when I was when I was writing the songs. Like I, at a certain point, I had a bunch of the songs, and I also I was just at a different place in my life where shit didn't feel so bleak, and um, and yeah, and I and I just I wanted to. I think I had already begun to kind of. Um, like inject more a little more positivity into 
the song subconsciously, and then at some point I realized it and wanted to and and you know consciously tried to maintain that as I wrote the rest of the songs. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah it's a, is it hard? You have quite sad songs. Is it yeah, hard singing yeah. sad songs? I mean, you don't seem like a sad person. I mean, no, I'm not. You see, you know? so yeah. Is it hard going out and and singing sad songs? No, it's. I, I mean, people ask me that a lot, and it's. It's uh, no, it's. I don't find it hard at all. I've never. I never really thought about it till people started asking yeah. me that question. It's. It's. It feels really good, actually. Um. I I look forward to it every night, and it's. Um, and I always feel great when I come off stage. So yeah. I think it's, it's, it's actually the opposite. It's like an, it's like exercising demons or something, you know. Yeah, just in front of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a good place to do, it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So talking about sad. So next, next up on your on your other on your choices. Yeah. Going sad again. You're going sad. But speaking of sad speaking songs. Speaking of sad songs. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's uh, Jason Molina. Yeah. Um, this is this song. This is song Didn't, Didn't It Rain, yeah. And um, it's sad. It's it's pretty yeah. sad. So where where does Jason Molina fit into? Um, Jason Molina was was one of the first artists I found that was that was kind of had like a rootsy aesthetic, you know, like um, because being into like hardcore, um, the only stuff that was kind of, at first, the only stuff that was kind of roots oriented that I knew about was like bands that um were known in like kind of the punk and indie rock scenes and uh so so I found uh Songs Ohio cuz like the the guy who owned the record store in Tulsa loved them and actually and I was in a band with uh, the the drummer my friend Lewis the drummer in uh in my hardcore band at the time was was into them he had seen him play in dallas where he's from and um so he showed me this record and i it just it just blew me away like i thought it was amazing and um just it's it's one of the first records with really long you know coming from like punk rock i was always kind of had an aversion to like seven and eight minute songs yeah. <laughs> but this but for some reason this record doesn't like on paper it seems like i would have hated it because it's like it's eight minute songs that are very rep uh repetitive and, but there was something about it that was just like hypnotizing and um and i just like kind of hung on every word and i became a huge jason molina fan and dug up everything he ever did and um and then I got to open for him in Oklahoma City in 2006. Uh, I was 21, and so that's still up there as you know, maybe wow, maybe my favorite show. I've what ever what sort of music you played in 2006? You I played? was playing, you know, this early kind of you know early attempts at what and I'm what doing do. now. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, and he was one of those people that. Um, I'm always wary of like meeting heroes because yeah. I don't want them to be an asshole and, and ruin it for me. Yeah. So when I got that show, I was like, okay, it's, you know, I'm really excited, but I'm just going to play and I'm not going to like talk to him or bother him or, you yeah. know, I'll just let, I'll just leave him be and I'll just show up and play my set and just, and I'll be able to say I open for yeah. uh, Jason Molina. And 
he he just showed up and and like as soon as he got out of the van him and it was it was a magnolia electric company show so it was him and the, and the whole band and as soon as they got out of the van they were just like the friendliest yeah. dudes and just you know they didn't know us at all no. and, and uh they just they just came up and and we just had like a total bro down session <laughs> and um yeah he was one of the nicest people i've ever met and it it just made a huge impression on me and uh I was I was so bummed when he died. Yeah, yeah. It was to He lived around here for about, right. Yeah, about he a year. he lived so, in London yeah, for a while. Yeah, he used to come he? in the shop all the time. Oh, we still that's got some awesome. of his CDs he bought and stuff. But wow. yeah, he was, he was calling himself J Mo at the time. I don't know. Oh really? Didn't seem that. You know, I'm I'm J Mo too. Actually, oh, people, <laughs> people, have, people have called me J Mo. It's good if you can, if you got yeah. a name you can do that with. Yeah. J Mo is great. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was really sad. It was, so. Um, so here's the record. This, what, what track do you want off this? Um, let's play. Uh, oh yeah, there's no songs in it. Let's play the. <laughs> let's play the first one, which I think is the title track. Okay, yeah. here we are. The first one off this record, which opens the title track. Didn't it rain? Yeah. say someone's watching from the calm at the edge what about us when we're down here in it we gotta watch our own you do see that golden light that it shines in its fiery eye go on and catch it while you can catch it if you can let it course through you and let it burn It's the light of truth. 
They think you got it They're gonna beat it out of you Through work and debt Whatever all else there is You gotta watch your Try to see the light of goodness burning down the track Through the blinding rain, through the swaying wires If I see you struggle, I will not Seen a good man and a bad man down the same path. Seen the light of truth keeping. Told them to watch their own To the last of its days, I'm gonna help you how I can. If you see me struggle all night and give me.
case, there's uh, Songs of Hire, chosen by John Morland. And that's that's your five. That's Yeah, that's that all was, of them. That was, that was quick. Was it? Was, I don't I, know. <laughs> <laughs> it felt easy. It felt too easy, I felt. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's go back to your record, your new record. I guess okay. you want to play something off the new record? You can play something off the old record. Just play let's play in the, the new one. What, what do you want to play off this? Um, let's play Ain't We Gold, because that one is, that one's kind of been like, I, when I wrote that one, I wasn't sure about it. When I, I mean, I liked it enough to bring it to the band, but I wasn't sure that was going to make the cut. And then when I when we played it as a band in the studio, I just was like very uh, pleasantly surprised at how much I liked it. And Rick Steff uh, played piano on it, and he's he's like one of my favorite musicians, and his piano solo just like knocks me out every time on that song. Nice, nice. So this is on 4AD. It's your first one on 4AD, isn't it? Yeah. Is this the first one off your own label? Because you do well, you put out a lot of stuff yourself. I did. You? I put out, so my first record was called Earthbound. My first yeah. solo record was called Earthbound Blues, and I put that one out myself, and then it was later reissued by a label out of Arkansas called Last Chance Records. Right, and okay. then And then I, my next record in the throws was also on Last Chance Records. Yeah. And then the next one after that I did myself with the help of 30 Tigers. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I've been. Yeah. Yeah. I've. I'm. I'm looking forward to staying on one label for a while. Yeah. How did you end up with four ideas? It's quite. It's unlikely home for you. I think. I think it is. Yeah. I don't. I I don't really know. I mean, uh, Ben Gaffin, who used to work at Four AD, just started like calling my manager one day, and (laughs) um, I don't know where he heard me or why he was interested, but um, but yeah, he. He, they, you know, he just he he was in touch with my manager, and and then uh, he came to meet me and at a show in Arizona, and um, and he was just an awesome dude, and uh, and we just kept in touch for a while, and then he he left the label, and then uh, but I think at that point it was pretty we were we were really you know I was pretty much like let's. Let's, yeah. let's do it, you know, if they still want to, and they did. So, and yeah, and Martin came to see me at a uh, at South by Southwest, and like I was playing at uh, Willie Nelson's ranch, and it was it there was a delay; they had to shut it down because it there was a thunderstorm, and Martin like stood out in the rain for four hours waiting to hear <laughs> me play like four songs and I was like there's no reason this guy yeah. should be here doing this but he, but he did and it made a huge impression on me so yeah mate so it's, it's good yeah and you're over here touring you didn't a joint headline at the moment I'm Is headlining it, tonight yeah it's tonight. we're doing a co-headlining tour with me and Noah Gunderson so we're just kind of flip-flopping and he headlined we were we're doing we did last night at Union Chapel, and he headlined, and then tonight uh, again at Union Chapel, and I'm going to headline this nice. one. Nice. Yeah. Amazing. Have a good show. Thanks. <laughs> um, okay, so this is Ain't We Gold off the new album, Big Bad Love by John Morland. Thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for nice having to me. to hang out and uh, enjoy all the records, yeah. Thank Cheers. you. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers.
dancing like a snake in the sky Whirlwind dancing like a snake Friend, don't you let another day go by Shaking that your heart might break Looking so hard that you can't see the picture Number with a magic touch Throwing gold bricks through a rich man's window Tragic when it don't add up Double Roses. Available in store and online at roughtrade.com.
Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do, so if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.